Welcome to the Love of Dirt podcast. I'm Nikki Ann. I'm your host. And today I'm going to be talking about how we practice companion planting in our garden. Hey guys, welcome back to another week. Uh, Today I wanted to talk about um, companion planting. The idea of companion planting in a broad term is basically used to describe a method of grouping plants together for mutual benefits, whether it's preventing certain pests and diseases or helping things grow or taste better. Um, And it can get really complicated if you let it. So if you start sort of um, Googling what plants should I plant to what, you'll find all of this conflicting information. Um, So I wanted to really simplify it um, in the way that I do it. And this is our companion planting strategies that we use here in our veggie patch. So the big question, does it work? Well, yes and no. So a lot of the information that you find out there is more relevant to Northern Hemisphere. So they have different um, pests. They have different issues, different diseases. um, And it does seem to be a little bit more effective for food growers up there. But a lot of it is anecdotal. I don't think there's been a lot of scientific evidence um, supporting these theories. Um, so that's just something to keep in mind. So there's a common one that, um, a lot of people do, and I, I still do it just because I don't know, it's just one of these things, but basil and tomatoes, does it make your tomatoes taste sweeter? Not from my experience. Does it deter any pests that we get? Not a chance. Our major pest is, um, fruit fly on our tomatoes and it does nothing with that Um, another pest that we have with our tomatoes is shield bugs and I've forted my (laughs) I've put a fort of basil all different varieties around my current cherry tomato and I've still got an epidemic of shield bugs happening in there but I don't see there being any other benefit than being able to grab my basil and my tomatoes to make an awesome bruschetta and that's why I do it that way. So there are no hard and fast rules when it comes to what works. So what works for me may not necessarily work for you. And there are so many variables that come into play. So it's really important to just do your own observations in your space. So let's talk about the three strategies that we use. And these are the ones that we find effective when it comes to grouping plants together. So number one is distraction. So ensuring that you've got plenty of diversity. So avoiding those rows, those monoculture planting techniques. The other one is similar requirements. So grouping plants that have the same needs together. So thinking things like what needs more fertilizer, what needs more water, grouping those type of plants together. And the other strategy is attraction. And that's attracting those beneficial experts insects that are going to keep things in balance they're going to keep those bad bugs in check they're still going to be around but they're going to be a little bit more less um, destructive so let's dig into this distraction distracting the bad bugs so I love a good ordered row of veggies I'm so so guilty of it but I know I know if I put all of my eggs in one basket I'm going to lose the lot and I'm going to have issues So in planting an entire bed of the same thing or even having those rows, you're essentially like putting all your eggs in one basket and you're creating this homing beacon for those bugs. It's like 
they're just flying over and go, oh, hey, there's, there's my favorite food and there's lots of it. Um, and then it's a highway. So if, you know, an insect lands on one thing, so aphids, for example, you get one of those flying aphids, they lay a million eggs and then they just jump to the next plant, lay a million more eggs, and then you've got uh, aphid infestation on absolutely everything. Instead of losing one plant, you're losing the lot. So if you love audio, you can still do that. You can get creative. Um, think diagonals, other fun shapes, spread things around. Um, look, get more creative with that aspect of laying your plants out. So, of course, there's going to be exceptions to this rule. Um, some things need to be grouped together for pollination. Corn is a perfect example of that. I always put all my corn together, but I also add little things underneath. So at the moment, we've got yarrow um, growing in amongst our corn. Um, I've also got kale in there, which is um, surprisingly doing really well. And it's the one kale that hasn't been totally, totally hit by caterpillars over summer. So... Those are some little things to keep in mind. So avoid the rows um, and then interplant different varieties um, of um, shapes and textures and colours because what that's doing is it's it's sort of acting as a bit of a camouflage. Um, so some bugs are actually looking for certain shapes and smells. So if you're interplanting things that have a higher smell that can sort of put them off the scent, you're going to be a bit in in a better position. So we always do in our brassica patches, so all of our um, cauliflowers and um, broccolis and things like that, I always put dill and fennel in amongst it because it's got that different leaf structure and it just sort of creates this, this different sort of look that may or may not put um, the bad guys off track. By mixing it up, if you do get issues, you're only going to lose one or two plants, not the whole lot. So you, you're, if you're putting everything in one area, you're likely going to have the same issues. Um, so basically, if you've got all of your cabbages and broccoli and cauliflower together, you've just created this spot where white cabbage <laughs> butterfly can just go, an egg here, an egg here, an egg here, up. Oh. And it could just be one that just wipes out your whole crop. So mix it up, scatter things around, and you'll—I promise you—you'll find that you have much less destruction if you were to plant it all together. The benefit of us growing food—we're not market gardeners. We don't need to have ordered rows of things, um, so we can just experiment with it and you know put things in different places and you may find that things thrive in somewhere in a spot that you never thought so there is no real benefit of grouping them all together in the one spot for us as backyard gardeners the next one is that grouping of similar requirements so there's a couple of points to this um and it's about ideal competitions competition uh, sorry ideal conditions competition of resources and also there are some plants that it that are said to inhibit the growth of others. Um, so some plants like it more alkaline, like beetroots, and some like it more acid, like your strawberries. Um, there are plants that are heavy feeders and lead loads and loads of nitrogen for leaf development. And then there are others that we want to focus on their root growth. So we, we want their leaves to be less and their roots to be more. So some plants like 
like it being really wet, some like it really dry. There are plants that will bring up nutrients from deep in the ground and benefit those shallow rooted plants as they sort of bring those nutrients up like comfrey. And there are others that are nitrogen fixing, so like legumes, so they're adding nitrogen from the atmosphere into the soil. There are also some plants that inhibit the growth of others. So whether it be a resource hog, so taking everything out of the soil because they want it more, um, or emitting substances that some plants don't love. So I noticed that if I plant sunflowers as much as I love them, everything around them suffers. I don't know if they have a specific inhibiting growth um, to growth of other things, but it does seem to be that sunflowers need to be on their own. Um Onions and garlic have said to have this effect on certain plants, but again, I've not found a, a great deal of scientific evidence on this, so you need to test it in your own space. There are things to consider when you're planting out your garden, but the key thing you need to consider is keeping that competition down, making sure your plants are appropriately spaced. They are getting enough sunshine, enough nutrients and the moisture that they need. So the final point was attracting the good guys and you can address this in two ways. Firstly, you can do what's called a sacrificial crop where you will plant things knowing that you're not going to harvest and that it's just going to attract some bad guys. But what the purpose of this is, is to establish a population of good guys. So an example of this is um, aphids. You you'll find that you probably won't see ladybugs until you've got an aphid issue. So, um, and it, usually what happens is you've got a population explosion of aphids before the lady beetles arrive. So you've lost that crop or whatever you're growing. So if you've got a lot of space to, to play with, then this might be a good strategy for you to um, experiment with. For us, we don't have a lot of space. We're on a regular block like a lot of you guys. Um, so we put our energy into attracting the good guys to deal with the bad guys in a different way. And that is by planting flowers. So putting the flowers amongst the veggies is going to help bring in those nectar pollen eating insects. Because usually a lot of the time um, the adults of um the good bugs are the ones that eat that and it's the babies that deal with the bad bugs. Um, so having that good diversity of plant, it provides food um, and it provides shelter and that's key here. To wrap up, the key to companion planting is really about understanding the individual needs of each plant and using that to your advantage. Having good diversity and providing those safe places and food for beneficial insects. So if you want to read up on this more, um, particularly for the Australian um, conditions, Jackie French has a really good companion planting um, book. I picked it up from the library and I've read loads and loads and loads of companion planting um, books and this one made the most sense to me. So it's a really good one if you want to do further reading. Um, if you're a don't lover inside my membership portal, I do have um, a lot of my companion planting combinations. So I do um, planting plans where I sort of 
put in the plants that usually do that distraction technique um, and also group together the plants that do well together and don't compete for resources. So if you want to take away that whole trying to figure out what should I plant with what, I've got some resources for you guys in there. So if you've got any questions um, or if you have any other strategies you use, I would love to hear it. So um, head on over to my website, leave a comment on um, the show notes for this podcast. Hit me up on Instagram at Love Dirt or sign up to my email list and hit reply and let me know. I would love to know. Thank you guys for listening and I will talk to you guys next week. Thanks for listening to the Love of Dirt podcast. If you love this episode, please leave a review to subscribe, check out other episodes or grab some of my free food growing resources. Head on over to loveofdirt.com.au forward slash podcast.